0: Again, Living Spring. I'm really grateful to be able to have this opportunity to share what I think is a really encouraging word that God has put on my heart for my own life. I um, hope that it encourages you as well. And so today, as John just said, we're in the middle of an expectation series, and this is gonna be our final week. And I'm gonna really narrow down our focus to focus on expectations for who God is in the wilderness. And we're gonna be looking really closely at Exodus 16. And as we begin, I wanna start off with a question that I want you to reflect and think about. So has God or anyone else ever surprised you by their reaction to you when you were grumbling and complaining and not being your best self? Has that ever happened to you? So for me, although positivity is a strength of mine, I have definitely had my grumbling and complaining moments, and one story in particular really sticks out, and this was a time when I lived in Seattle and my twin sister was very kind enough to visit me and all the way from California, and so she came and she was really excited to be with me and to visit, but I was really anxious, I was in my first job ever after college and had to plan this big event, and then I was that I wouldn't have enough time to spend with her, I wouldn't have enough money to do fun things. And so I was just grumbling and complaining and had a really bad attitude. Um, And then that morning at church, a woman that I didn't even know, she comes right up to me and she palms me a $100 bill. Um, And she said, God told me to tell you that he wants you to enjoy your life and he wants you to have fun with your sister and he wants to provide for you. Um, so I was so shocked by God's gracious response when I was just being a brat and gl- grumbling and complaining. and um, that story, I remember being shocked and surprised by three specific things. Number one, I was taken aback that God knew me intimately. God heard my complaints about my sister, about not having enough money. God heard me. And number two... God didn't judge me for complaining, but God actually provided for me through this random woman and the $100 bill. And finally, number three, God didn't want me to stay in my place of anxiety, but God invited me to step into his his abundance. And so I want you to remember those things because we are gonna look at the story of the Israelites in the wilderness and how God responds to them this morning. So please pray with me as we prepare our hearts to receive God's word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and that you use your stories to shape us and transform us. Teach us, God, um, who we are and who you wanna be for us in the wilderness. Show us what expectations we should have for how you will meet us in places that seem bleak, places that seem without hope, Show us, God, how you want to show up for us. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So please turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. If you're new to the Bible, this is the second book of the Bible. And we're going to be reading verses 2 through 15 together. So in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died in the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the entire Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are three things I want us to focus on as we dig deeper into this story. Number one, God hears the Israelites' cries. Number two, God provides for them through the manna and the quail. And number three, God invites them to live in a new way in the wilderness. He gives them specific Sabbath instructions. And one note, I'm gonna be using the words desert and wilderness interchangeably. So in the Bible, it often signifies or can be a metaphor for a time of separation and loneliness, that time, that dark space before the promised land. So you might be a little confused, but I'm gonna be using those words interchangeably and both literally and figuratively um, for the rest of this morning. So our story comes from the book of Exodus, which is, in my opinion, um, one of the best and most exciting. Not the best, but just my favorite book in the Bible because it has all of these action-packed stories of God coming down, delivering his people from under their oppression in Egypt. It has stories of God parting the Red Sea and then immediately closing it again and swallowing up Egyptian chariots. Um, It's just such vivid imagery of God's faithfulness to his people, of how God hears the cries of those who are hurting and those who are struggling. So those stories that I just mentioned of God parting the Red Sea, and then also God miraculously providing the Israelites with water, those happened just six weeks prior to the passage that we just read. So I always find it so fascinating how in the world could the Israelites forget God parting the Red Sea? It was only like a month and a half ago. Yet here we see in the text that they're hot and hungry and annoyed at each other in the wilderness. And they even go so far as to say that they want to go back to Egypt. They want to go back to the place where they were enslaved and where Pharaoh worked them so hard that they almost died. So in the message translation... Um, the message translation puts their complaint like, like this. Why didn't God let us die in comfort in Egypt where we had lamb stew and all the bread we could eat? You brought us out of this wilderness to starve us to death, the whole company of Israel. So like I said, the Israelites are somehow repressing all of the suffering that they faced in Egypt And Psalm 106 describes them like this. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt. If I was God, it's a good thing I'm not, I would be to the Israelites like, are you kidding me? I just saved you and rescued you and delivered you. And now you're saying you want to go back and you're forgetting everything that I've done for you. Have you ever in your life been tempted to go back to Egypt, to go back to a place that even though it was painful, even though you were in bondage, and even though you were stuck, maybe it felt more familiar, it felt safer, um, because you knew what to expect in that place? Have you, like the Israelites, ever had amnesia when it comes to God's miracles and how God has provided for you and been faithful to you in the past, when you're faced with your current struggles? I know I have. So what is God's response to the Israelites and their complaining and their rejecting of him in the desert? What do we see in the text? I don't know if you guys heard the repetition as I read the story, but God repeats four times that he heard the Israelites' cries. He heard their grumbling. He heard their complaining. So I know that, for me at least, that can be a little shocking at first. Because I feel like when I grew up, I heard, like, God doesn't hear you when you complain. Like, his ears stop up or something like that. But this text shows us something different. It repeats four times that God heard their complaint. And the Psalms remind us of that as well. The Psalms are a whole book in the Bible where, yes, people are praising and proclaiming God's goodness, but people are also crying out to God, saying things like, where are you, God? How long, God? Will you forsake me forever, God? Um, So the Bible is filled with people who are honest and raw with God about what they're going through. And this text reminds us that God hears them. Also in Psalm 56 God we're reminded that God collects our tears. So every tear that you have ever shed, that every tear that has rolled down your cheek, God has collected it and God remembers it and sees it and notices it. So the first thing we can be reminded of is that God hears us and intimately knows our cries in the wilderness. So do you bring your cries and your complaints to God? Did you know that he was accessible and that he would be willing and open to hear them? So not only does he hear their cries, but instead of reprimanding them or sending down fire from heaven or smiting them, which is what I would do, God says to Moses, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven from you. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. In my opinion, that's such a surprising and gracious response for God to make to the Israelites. In the midst of their fear and their anxiety and their doubt, God doesn't add more shame, more punishment on them, but God hears them and promises to provide. So in the text, we see that he provides quail and manna So this manna covers the ground like a frost, and manna actually means, what is it? So the Israelites, although God provided for them, at first they had no idea what this provision was. So in my experience, sometimes how God provides for us in the wilderness, it's nothing like we would expect. I often, I want God to take all the suffering, all the pain away immediately, um, and I'll need the help of friends and pastors and other people in my life to say, hey Michelle, that actually, that thing right there that you think is not good, that might actually be provision from God in this season. So although God's provision of mail, of quail and manna in the wilderness was so abundant and so generous and so gracious, Um, It wasn't a a free-for-all, all-you-can-eat buffet all the time, um, where people could just steal and hoard and be greedy. No, God gave them very, very specific instructions for how his generous gift of provision was to be allotted and to be figured out. So he only gave them enough for each day. God is very much a god of daily bread, and so he promised and he was faithful to give them enough manna for each day. And he told them on the sixth day to collect twice as much so then they could be ready for the Sabbath. And this was, I'm sure, so confusing to the Israelites who were working seven um, days a week back in Egypt for God to tell them, no, I want you to rest on the seventh day. So I'm curious in your own um, season of this pandemic, I'm curious what Sabbath instructions God might've given you in this time. What things has God stripped away throughout this season that you used to rely on um, before this pandemic season? I'd be really curious um, to know how God has been shaping you in this wilderness, what wilderness training God has been giving you during this time. You guys, I'm sure, know and love Gary Blay. And so I was talking with him this week, and he was just sharing with me um, the many ways that God has really shaped him in the crucible of this wilderness season of the pandemic, and that the book that we read in the summer called An Unhurried Life, that that really impacted his life Um, before that book and before God kind of revealing new things to him. He was kind of chained to his to-do list, And so he said that the book really just helped him be more patient helped provide um, peace that if he didn't get everything done his whole to-do list done um, during the day that it would be okay that god was still good and that the to-do list would still be there the next day and so he talked about how god was slowing him down and helping him to rest um, which was a new thing and gary also told me i think to bring hope to all of you that he's an older gentleman, and so if he can change, if God can teach him that there's hope um, for all of us. So thank you, Gary, for sharing with me and allowing me to share a little bit of your story. And we encourage you and ourselves um, to hold on fast to what God has been teaching you during this time, to really reflect this week on what it is that God has been wanting you to let go of, what he's been trying to form in you as we have been stripped of so many things that we normally rely on. Um, So really be thinking about that this week. And maybe like Gary, God has been really um, putting something specific on your heart. So as we've seen, this wilderness um, that began as a place of death, for the Israelites, they were hopeless, they were annoyed, they were angry at each other, angry at God. God is slowly forming them to see that God is responsive, God is generous, and God is someone they can trust, even in the wilderness, even in this place of desolation, this place where it seems like there's no water. God is training them to be a people who put their hope and their trust in God, who know that God will provide for them what they need for the day. So that is what God has been doing in the wilderness for the Israelites. So you might be thinking, I'm so happy for the Israelites, that's great for them. I'm glad God provided for them. But how is God providing for me and my family in this pandemic season? How is God providing for those who have lost family members to this horrible disease? How is God providing for those who have lost their jobs and who are struggling to make ends meet? How is God shaping me when I can't even have the energy um, to read my Bible or to even approach God? How can God reorient me in my desert season if you're feeling so hopeless and so far from God? So although there's so much hope in this passage, yeah, there's no easy answers. God does not always meet our expectations in the wilderness. God doesn't always promise that the promised land will be tomorrow or right around the corner. But what God does promise is that he will be with us and he will never forsake us. He will not abandon us to Sheol. He will not leave us in a place of death. But he will hear our cries. He will know what we're going through. And he will provide in a very particular way that will help us get through the wilderness season. And he will shape us and form us to be the people of God that he is calling us and inviting us to be. A people that look so different from the world. A people that rest and a people that trust in God for everything. So those are the promises that we can hold on. And so what that has looked like In my life, I'm just going to share a few small examples about a few wilderness seasons that I have been and what God's provision has looked like during those times. So when I was in college and right after, I was experiencing a really tough wilderness season where I really doubted God's goodness. I had a real hardness um, in my heart, even I would say a contempt for God, um, because this God that I had heard about who was good. I didn't experience that in my life or in the lives of those I was learning about in my classes. I was learning all about the suffering um, that was happening in the world and just reflecting on, yeah, the dysfunction in my own family. And I was like, God, how can you be good in the midst of this? And so I was hard-hearted and I doubted and I was grumbling and I was complaining. Um, And in my heart, maybe in my life it didn't look that way, but in my heart I had turned away from God. And so you might think maybe God just left me alone, just rejected me or said, Michelle, she can go off and do her own thing. But no, God pursued me. God knew what I was going through. And so a friend at that time, she told me that she had heard a word from God for me and that God wanted me to read um, every day Psalm 42. And so that's going to come up on the screen in a second but so in this psalm I went home so this friend told me that and I was like I don't know about this whatever but I'll read it because she's really nice and she's my friend and so I went home and I read it and I was just so surprised at how directly the psalmist was speaking to my experience as I read the psalm I just started weeping um, because God had somehow pierced through the hardness of my heart. So I'm going to read the words of Psalm, just part of Psalm 42 for you. So the psalmist is speaking directly to his soul, and he's asking God, or his soul, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. So this psalm spoke to me in my wilderness season because I wasn't there yet. My soul was not praising God, but this psalmist was speaking life into his soul, telling his soul that one day after this wilderness season, he could see a time when he would praise God again. And so these words of this psalm, I read it every day in that wilderness season, and they sustained me, and they nourished me, and they helped crumble some of the hardness of my heart towards God, and they really um, were my manna in that season. And it seems small, but the word of God, when we read it, when we allow it to sow deep within our hearts, it has the potential to transform us. Um, God's presence is powerful. It's transforming power. So I wonder if there's words that God has given you that have helped renew you day by day when you've been in a wilderness season. I wonder what words during this pandemic season God has reminded you of. And if you don't have any words right now, I invite you to ask God this week. God, God. What words from heaven do you have for me? What do, you want to re- what do you want to remind me of in this season? And I am sure that God will be faithful to share those words with you. And one other small story, um, it involves all of you, but in my last few months of seminary in 2019, I was getting pretty anxious and nervous about the next steps and where God would be leading me. I had no idea. I had no idea where I would be going, where I would be living, what I would be doing. Um, And someone, again, at that time, shared a word from God with me that God knew where he was sending me, and God knew exactly who he was sending me to. Um, And that ended up being Living Spring, and you all. So God, um, yeah, I'm just tearing up a little bit, remembering um, God's faithfulness to me, um, and in that season, his comfort and his assurance that he knew me, he noticed me, He noticed my complaints and he knew exactly who he was sending me to and where i was going Um, so i just encourage you this week to again ask god um, what those words are for you um, if you're in a wilderness season and if not praise god good for you (laughs) Um, but this sermon can really help you um, if you are feeling hopeless or lost or know someone else who is, um, I hope that these words and that this story from Exodus 16 can really give you hope. And so not only do we see God's provision in the wilderness, in the Old Testament, but we have hope in our our God, who came to the world as Jesus. And in the book of John, Jesus declares I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever in me will never be thirsty. So Jesus is the true bread from heaven that is given to all the world, and Jesus is the sign and the assurance that God is with us, that God listens to us, and that God provides for us in our deepest brokenness. Jesus took all of the sin and the brokenness and the disease and the hate onto himself on the cross, and he put all of that to death, and he rose again three days later and was victorious over sin and death, and he saves all of us when we call on him, um, when we ask him to enter our lives and to be our Lord. So if you haven't done that yet, I just encourage you, um, if God is leading you, to cry out and say, Jesus, help me. Um, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior in this season. And Jesus will be faithful to do that for you. So I invite you all to please stand as we do every week for the blessing. And just put your hands out in a posture of receipt. So in the name of God the Father who hears your cries, who provides for you and brings you freedom, And in the name of his son, Jesus, who brings life to the world, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, who brings life and is making new life in us and around us every day, go forth confident in God's provision and abundance in whatever season you're in. Go in peace, Living Spring, amen.